Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Bruins Tape to Tape. I'm your host, uh, Caroline, and I'm joined with my ever-present co-host, Maria. Hi, Maria. Hello, hello. Hoping everyone had a wonderful holiday and um, we'll be uh, ringing in the uh, new year with some um, some Bruins game. Absolutely. But, but today we have a very special topic. And a very special guest. We are so, so excited uh, to bring to the podcast today um, a very prolific writer out on Substack, if you're not already following her, uh, with Prism Hockey. We are excited to welcome Anna Hudak. Hi, Anna. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, we're so excited. And for... Some of our new folks who may be joining us today because of the special topic or maybe some of your uh, fans, we're just going to go around real quick and introduce ourselves. Um, so, Anna, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your your fandom of hockey, who you follow, all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, obviously, Anna, um, that's my name, uh, and I have been a lifelong Red Wings fan. I was born into Red Wings fandom. Uh, but at the age of 10, I fell in love with Rick Nash uh, when he was with the Blue Jackets. And eventually, over the years, uh, they added the Blue Jackets as a uh, secondary team. And in recent years, I have been dragged into writing about hockey by friends. Started off just writing about Red Wings prospects on Unsung Octopi podcast blog. Bit of a mouthful, I know. Um before people that shut down, people wanted more of my thoughts, started Prism Hockey, and I'm still doing that to this day, a year over a year later. And I have just recently been added as a paid contributor to Octopus Thrower. So Oh, very nice. Congratulations. Very nice. Congratulations. Thanks. Maria. Go ahead. I am just simply uh, a fan. Of the Boston Bruins have been a lifelong Boston Bruins fan from, I think, the time that I was probably six or seven years old, where my dad would uh, immediately get me up out of bed after our mother put all five of us down for bed so that I could sit up and watch <laughs> Bruins hockey games with him. So I have, um, I have grown to um, be a very loyal Boston Bruins fan as well as a um, local sports talk radio show listener and caller. So I'm um, a relatively regular caller to the AT&T Hockey Show on Saturday mornings on 98.5. And I would uh, recommend anyone who is a Bruins fan to, to listen to that show because it is two hours of exclusively Boston Bruins coverage um, <laughs> every Saturday morning from the start of the season to the end of the season. And now I'm... Uh, get to call myself a podcast co-host. There you go. And I'm Caroline. Uh, I also come from a Boston Bruins uh, home. I am not from New England, though. Um, my dad was a Bruins fan, specifically because his dad was a Rangers fan. So I think there was a, probably a little bit of something going on there. Um, and then because I'm from New York State, I also... Um, grew up watching actually the New Jersey Devils during their fantastic stretch between 1995 and 2003, just because that was the channel that we got for free over the air and the games that I got to watch, even though I was 
also a Bruins supporter. And then after having lived in New England for a stretch of time before coming back to New York State, I got to watch Nesson and have pretty much been a diehard Bruins fan since. And my daughter is also a Boston Bruins fan. So we got three generations of Bruins fans. And um, I just love talking about the game of hockey. I'm a complete and utter hockey stats nerd. Um, I'll talk analytics all day, every day. So that's what I love to do. But one of my favorite things to do is just talk the game of hockey even on a national league level, not just with the Bruins. And for those of you who are regular listeners of our podcast, you know, we've had some pretty strong opinions this season about the department of player safety, uh, the hits that we are seeing in the league and just the officiating in general. Uh, so Maria and I invited Anna onto the podcast to get a little bit of an outsider's perspective you know we 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 like to not always necessarily be in the echo chamber of of being a a boston sports fan which is a very unique experience for folks who don't live in new england or don't necessarily follow the bruins although anna i'll be curious to hear from you what it's like being a a red wings fan because again being a a an original six fan is kind of a big deal um Mm -hmm. so (laughs) and you guys are kind of on the up and up you've got some some big names now on your team you you had some big trades in the off season so before we dive into some of our big topics just give us maybe a a little bit of a a, what's going on with the with the red wings and uh how's how's life looking for them (laughs) yeah right now we are in a very interesting part of the rebuild where We're not quite ready to compete for a championship quite yet. We're not there yet, but we're also not um, quite lottery contenders. So we're very much kind of in the mushy middle. So we're kind of, I guess the best way to put it is we're in that teenage kind of, you know, growing out your bangs stage, (laughs) kind of. Like, it's very awkward. Um, Some nights we look like we're legit Stanley Cup contenders. And we play like it. Like we, there, there'll be nights where we'll go off for like six goals, um, and we'll just look like we could beat anyone. Then the next night we get blown out by, um, you know, we, we allow in four goals in two minutes to the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know very well uh, how good the Red Wings can play because they've been a thorn in the Bruins' side with their quick little legs in their youth. <laughs> yeah, this 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 season has not been a good litmus test for the Bruins versus the Red Wings. But. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk hits. Uh, we've discussed uh, the comments that have kind of made the rounds a few weeks ago by John Tortorella, who, you know, people love him, people hate him. Everyone always has an opinion about him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And he's definitely an old school style coach uh, mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. for whatever that's worth for some folks. Um, but he made an interesting comment a number of weeks ago that really started a good conversation around hits and the idea that, well, if there's a player who gets a clean hit and then there's fighting afterwards, why is there fighting afterwards or are they avoiding hits? So it's, 
become a pretty regular topic of conversation that I've even heard on other broadcasts. Was that hit, you know, uh, a good hit or a bad hit? Are are you feeling any sort of confusion now as a hockey fan in general about what actually is a clean hit? What's your take on that larger conversation? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that. Um, I am like, um, I, I I plan to eventually try to sit down with the um, NHL rule book to really understand how the NHL exactly sees things, but from People I do talk to who uh, either were refs or uh, no refs and all that stuff. Uh, generally, I feel like I'm starting to kind of get a better view of what it what is technically considered supposed to be a hit. And when and I kind of to a point where I can kind of start seeing at least a little bit of consistency, but it, it, even then, it's still highly inconsistent. Like, I know what hits they say are supposed to be hits, uh, clean hits, which ones aren't. And I think they generally do a bit better of a job from what I understand um, calling hits better than I think a lot of people give them credit for. But I definitely still see some wild inconsistency from what I've heard from people who actually understand the rules. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think the, 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 the point, and it was a very valid point made by John Tortorella, which, you know, prompted us to engage in just a, a broader conversation surrounding not, not just hits, but how officials are making determinations, I guess, for lack of a better word, as to what constitutes a hit and what constitutes a hit that requires someone to be either removed off the ice or given a five-minute major. And, you know, his point was that, you know, he doesn't think that we're spending enough time preparing players on how to take hits. Mm. And, and not, you know, not just from an NHL standpoint, too, but I think even from a younger level. Where, you know, we have a certain age level where we say, okay, no one's going to check until this age. And then we say to these kids, okay, you can go ahead and check now, but no one teaches them mm. how to actually throw a proper check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed um, an, uh, an increased trend, I think, of some injuries from hits where the player who received the hit was perhaps not necessarily doing his own due diligence. And, you know, I understand and completely agree with the fact that the person who is, who is throwing the hit, you know, the onus is on them to make sure that they are being safe. Um, you know, when that is happening, not being reckless and not, you know, attempting to cause harm. Um, but I have seen a number of incidents already, at least this season, I want to say one of them was in the Devils Bruins matchup in New Jersey where it almost seemed like the the Devils player who had the pucker who was about to play the puck um didn't complete the play in a in a way that would be typically predictable for the person who was then throwing the hit and because the 
devil's player didn't, you know, follow through in the typical play that is expected to be made, there was a kind of a really nasty hit. Um, and so, you know, for as much as, uh, Tortorella is probably talking about the toxic masculinity behind throwing hits and being tough and dealing with it and blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm, <laughs> that aside, uh, I do wonder a lot of times, you know, are the players who are out there, you know, protecting themselves as much as they're being protective of the people that they're going and hitting because it is still a two way kind of situation. Um, so it's, it's, then kind of led to this conversation of, okay, well then what is or isn't allowed? Um, and that's where I'm definitely finding myself a little bit confused as a lifelong hockey fan watching these games and thinking, you know, either a call was made or a call wasn't made. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wait, what? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. So, um, have you seen things like that, Anna, in, in the Red Wings games that you've been watching or Columbus where it's just like, what is, wait, I'm not sure what just happened. <laughs> yes, d definitely all the time, especially at the Red Wings. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating as a hockey fan because, you know, I find for myself at least that, um, part of the, the game, the enjoyment of the game is there are things that you know will happen or should happen. And then when it doesn't happen, it kind of throws you, especially mid season, you know, I'm like, was that, was that not the rule? I don't know. I don't know. But Anna, you, you yeah. just had something occur with unfortunate incident with Dylan Larkin, where um, he appeared to be involved in. Oh God. A hockey scrum and wound up it it looked to be you know that he might have been knocked unconscious for a period of time and there was much discussion made about that particular play it looked like he just um got himself in a bit of, of trouble with two opposing players and i was you know wondering what your thoughts were with with regard to that play and and then the re the reaction afterwards because i think there was um a reaction from a red wings player mm -hmm. um, through you know as a result of looking over seeing his captain out on the ice but then he targeted an opposing player on the team that i don't think had anything to do with why dylan larkin <laughs> was laid out on the ice to begin with yeah so it was not a scrum. Um, it was the situation that led up to the um, very terrifying hit on Larkin. I was watching it live. Um, I actually know people who were at the game, actually, even. Um, was that basically uh, Red Wings were on the forecheck. They were all up against the net trying to, you know, it was like one of those, you know, free-for-alls in front of the net where the puck hadn't gone in yet, but you were trying to shove it in. Shove it in. Um, and Matthew Joseph and um, oh, what's the other one? Kelly. I forget his first name, but last name is Kelly. Um, they were right next to Larkin. Um, try, I think defending against him. Matthew Joseph. He has a bit of a history with Larkin. Um, mm -hmm. Those two have have um, have a, a, a Joseph has a history of targeting 
Lorcan's neck, which um, for those who may not know, uh, he had to have surgery on a few seasons ago and missed majority of a season because of. Um, and Joseph, he has a history of going for it. He went for it, got Denek, um, and uh, and, and Lorcan went down from it. I know Senators fans will claim that it was actually Joseph, uh, I think not Joseph, but Kelly's um, glove hitting his head that knocked him out. But you see the pictures, mm-hmm. uh, it's of when the hits happen. It it was um, Joseph's hit to the neck that took him out. Um, so that so that's what happened. It was just at the time it was scrum in front of the net, um, and then Lurkin goes down. Dave David Perron he has no idea what's going on. Like you can see, his back is to it all. Then all of a sudden, he just notices the play is ended. He sees Lurkin on the ice. Zoo Joseph has already skated off. Joseph has he he is gone. He is going away. And Artem Zub, I think that's how it's pronounced. Artem, Artem Zub, whatever. Right. I think he was trying to call for help. Oh. Yes, yeah. Zub was no, Zub was right there calling for help, yeah. and Ron did not know that. He just sees Zub in front of it on top of his captain, and I don't know if the rest of the NHL's figured this out yet. But the Red Wings and Senators are kind of becoming the new big rivalry in the league. Um. And the players have, like, the players have openly stated in the press, they hate each other. Like, they do not like each other. Like, this is not a secret. Like, the players and the fans all hate each other. And so I think he was, like, thinking what probably, you know, he goes red seeing his captain on the ground, you know, which is fair, you know. I mean, if I were a player and I saw my captain, you know, collapse in a pretty horrible looking way on the ice, I'd be getting outraged. But then he sees Zub and he's like, oh, it's a Senators player over my captain. He's probably thinking of Kachuk last season going up to the bench, beating his chest like, who wants some? It's like, oh, he's sitting there mocking at Larkin after not taking him out. So he goes after, cross-checks him in the head, which is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I honestly, you know, and um, I honestly think that he got the right punishment. Six games, I think, um, should be the standard from now out um and i just hope that they actually stick to the standard because if they do go back to the old thing which is those type of hits um get you like austin matthews earlier i think it was earlier of the season austin matthews did basically the same thing got two games um where it's like i hope that you know but if they do go back to like the two game standard for piran type hits to zoom well then i'm gonna um probably end up saying some things that are going to get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, so it's, it's funny that you bring that up in particular, because one of the other things and all three things that we were going to talk about today are really, really interconnected. Um, And correct. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about the department of player safety um, a lot this season. I have, hopes that someday that the the department of player safety can have some level of consistency because i do think that especially when it comes to hits to the head and just the physical nature of the game of hockey uh we've all heard about cte in football players and nobody really talks about 
it existing in hockey players, even though, you know, the premier uh, research facility, I mean, is looking at all athletes uh, who donate their, their bodies. Um, but with hockey, it's particularly, I think, dangerous and probably even more dangerous than football because um, you know, you might get a hit to the head and then it also bounces off of the glass or it bounces off the hard ice and, uh, the speed and all this thing. And so I was, you know, seeing at the start of the season this year with some pretty significant, um, very decisive decisions from Department of Player Safety. I thought finally, okay, they're taking it seriously. They are, you know, laying down the law and they're saying we absolutely will not tolerate this kind of behavior, but almost as quickly as they were handing these aggressive uh, punishments out, they were then almost going back to their old ways, as you kind of said it, where there were some hits that had happened and maybe the player only got one or two or got nothing as Maria and I have gone on uh, multiple episodes about uh, Mr. Truba and his baseball bat swing to the head of Trent Frederick that resulted in a what was it five thousand dollar fine? Um, five thousand dollar fine, not even not even a penalty, not and, even a hearing, nothing. So, yeah, it's been certainly at the forefront of our mind. And then when you know the Perron thing happened, um, we were unsure. And it's very interesting to hear you as a Red Wings fan kind of talk about your agreement with it because we weren't really sure how to take it because we, our impression as outsiders was this punishment that was handed out was a knee jerk reaction to the lack of a call from, and Maria, you're going to have to remind me from another, maybe it was even the Truba. No, it was the Truba. It yeah. Was the Truba, it, um, the, the Truba stick and the swing to the know, head. Our, our, ep- our episode, um, at, I think it was after that, Anna was, we, we, we were all in agreement with the fact that David Perron definitely should have been suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my view and not knowing the history there was that six games seemed a bit much. And my take on it was that they were reactionary to the fact that they did nothing but issue a $5,000 fine on the stick to the face mm-hmm. by Jacob Truba and hearing all of the noise and criticism mm-hmm. about not having suspended Truba for at least one or two games yep. for a player who used his stick as a weapon. Yep. I, I would, I would le- give more credence to that if they had also punished Matthew Joseph Instead of just giving leaving it at a two minute minor, which was outrageous during the game, just genuinely outrageous, had he only got a two minute minor, um, I I would give a bit more credit. It's like I do think there might be in a little bit to that, um, but I do think that uh, him going after the wrong player, and because I think that with the NH, I think it was more. I think it really was more of situational here. Whereas I think everyone knows that the Red Wings Senators rivalry is already hitting a very toxic level. And 
I think that they didn't, and I think that the NHL was like, oh crap, like if we don't, you know, like Perron, you know, like, because at least Joe said, like, people will make the argument, like, lots of people have. Many people will make the argument that what Matthew Joseph did wasn't that bad or that it was just a hockey play. Like, so many people argue that. Uh, but what Perron did was, like, so clearly, like, anybody with half a brain can see that what that was not a hockey play. It was, you took out my captain, I'm going for you now. And so I think they're very like, okay, what if we just, you know, hope that people will just, you know, that even the players will just go with the, this was just a hockey play narrative for Joseph, and we'll just take out Perron and hope that if we just severely punish Perron, mm. the temperature will simmer down, which unfortunately for him doesn't really seem teams. to have worked. But I think that's what they were hoping. I don't, I, don't, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't, I didn't take it at the time as um, having anything to do with Trupta. Mm. Well, and that's interesting that you you say that he I didn't know that in the game he only got a two minute minor, which is completely insane to me. Uh, just having watched only that highlight, you know, without, like you said, the context and the situation and understanding the true depth between of the, the rivalry that's kind of developing between the two teams. Um, that is shocking to me that he only got that two minute minor because again again this is all leading to our third kind of general conversation point which is the officiating has been surprising to surprisingly awful in my opinion this year in particular um because it almost seems like the inconsistencies are extra noticeable um the fact that after that moment where i mean did larkin did he play any of the rest of the game i don't know oh, no he was no larkin what larkin had to get removed immediately right um, i would assume i remember seeing the clip and i was like <laughs> no no and i i think he was not available to the team for uh, i don't even know if he's back yet uh you he's, can speak to he, he is he, he returned last week uh, but he's clearly not his old self. Um, he was rushed back. Like any, like you can see it pretty clearly. They rushed him back. Yeah, but it, 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 it mean like his season was going off the rails, and for like we need you back now. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and I think awful. they have hopes of getting in, even as you know, a wild card team is my yeah. understanding. Um, you know, in an effort to. You know, get some get some experience as uh -huh. well for these young players and in, in playoff situations. But you know, I, I think you know these instances that we're discussing, like for example, you know, the comments made by by John Tortorella mm -hmm. saying that you know they're they're trying to make it a no hit league. And I know Carolyn, you and I have talked about this before <laughs> that I think the NHL now stands for no no hit league, and <laughs> it's just the the level of confusion that is being caused by the inconsistency, not just between officiating group crews, but in some instances, game to game and even period to period, mm -hmm. where, you know, players and coaches don't know from one period to the next what will be called as a penalty and what will not be called as right. a penalty. 
and the degree and- to which that penalty is ultimately being assessed, right? Again, to kind of go back to the hit on Larkin, well, not well, and then the resulting, you know, scrum that happened afterwards and the fact that out of all of that, that's all you saw while you've got then a player who is taken off the ice and he misses games, but then you have in uh, a recent Bruins game, uh, it was the Rangers, gosh, um, where Pasternak lays a hit on um, Ryan Lindgren. And yeah, he, he banged his head. Uh, I think he cut, I got a cut from his visor or whatever. And initially I thought that the referees were going to call it, do it the right way because they initially called the five minute major so they could review, which I am a hundred percent on board with that strategy. I think they don't do it enough because you got to get it right. And they kick him out of the game. (laughs) But it was a, and again, it was a questionable hit because now I'm confused as a hockey fan. Okay. It wasn't on the numbers. So was it boarding? Was it charging? I'm not sure. What's a reasonable expectation for a player who is laying out a hit to change his direction in the moment? Uh, You know, he got him in the shoulder, but the guy kept playing. Like he didn't get carried out on a stretcher. Not to say that that's what has to happen, but it's it's so confusing right now. Um are you seeing that as well in the games that you watch, Anna? Like, what's your take on uh, this season's officiating uh, compared to at least previous seasons or even game to game, minute to minute? <laughs> um, yeah, it's been like I thought last year there was no way things could get worse. Like, uh, there's this one, red- there's this one. <laughs> Like, like I didn't really dig because here, like, let me let me explain. Like, there's this one user on Twitter, Flash Drill, one of the biggest writing Twitter users, and he has this very famous tweet which shows refereeing from four games last season, just a four game stretch of refereeing last season. Lorkin gets hit to the neck um, against I forget which team. I actually have to tweet up against the Flames. No penalty. So this was a clear cross check to the neck. Flames did to Larkin, no penalty. A game or two later for playing the Capitals. Larkin's stick, he hits a Capitals player in the middle of the chest. It accident clearly accidentally slides up to hit um a Capitals player in the head. Larkin gets ejected. And then a game later, Michael Rasmussen gets cross-checked to the net by Ryan Lindgren of the Rangers, and there's a two-minute minor. So, you know, and that was just last year. And I was, you know, and, and I remember f- seeing this at the time, like, there's just no way this could get any worse. <laughs> it's it, it, the referee it, said, hold my beer. <laughs> like, it, at least it's getting worse. It's getting worse. No, and like, then, seriously, like, at least last year it was game to game that would be inconsistent. Now it's period to period. Yeah. Like, I, like, like, I will literally see some games. Um, where they will call it where I think I forget who it was. It was in the past week, I believe where, um, where I forget, I honestly forget which team it was, but one of the teams we were playing cross-checked two of our players into the boards twice in the same, in, in a single period, no calls. 
from the very next period, one of our guys cross-checked one of our players into the boards, immediately called. Yeah. And then the next period, cross-checks to the boards were legal again. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think this is part of the, 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 the discussion, too, or the fact that, you know, it, maybe in sports across the board, why officials don't have to talk after a game to hold themselves accountable so that they can be asked a question point blank. Why was that a penalty in that period when that guy did it? But when this guy did it in the second period, it wasn't a penalty because, you know, I, I'm convinced that there's, there's, there's biased amongst the officials where Brad Marchand is concerned. And I, (laughs) and I, I don't think it's exclusive to Brad Marchand. I think that once you develop a certain reputation as a player in the league, you get no benefit of the doubt from the officials, which, you know, maybe in some instances the player has earned that. But when a player has made every effort to change the way that they play, and then you still look the other way mm-hmm. when they're getting tripped, they're getting elbowed, yeah, um, they're getting boarded, it boggles the mind that you don't have to answer for that. And hold yourself accountable for that. Yeah. Uh, Anna, if you were in charge of all referees, or let's say you were named commissioner tomorrow, <laughs> you know, as a thought experiment, what do you think, what would you do to kind of rectify some of this frustration? Understanding, obviously, that it is a difficult job to do. Have you thought about like what you would do in as a solution? A little bit. Um, I'm not claiming to uh, quite know everything to do, especially because I'll be honest, I have actually I've only been to one hockey game in my life. And now it's when I was a toddler and it was an ECHL game. Well, whatever was the league before the ECHL, actually. But so it's like I'm not even, you know, it's just not like I don't even really know what things look like quite even in the rink, but it seems to me, uh, just someone who spent my life mostly listening on the radio in the last two seasons, starting to watch on TV, is that I think that there needs to be a ref, I don't know, maybe up in the like up in a press box or something, because it's clear that the game has gone too fast at this point. Mm-hmm. The play, things move too fast at this point for referees to be able to call everything on the ice, like. Just like when they show on ice, um, you know, like um, ice level cameras, you know, and you can see how the players are seeing it kind of, Um, you know, I often find myself struggling to see a lot of these calls or um, plays as for happening or even while, you know, for doing the replay on the ice level. But then when they zoom out um, to the more bird's eye view that you kind of watch. Um, regularly, I see it a lot more clearly. And I think that they need to have another ref who is up there, um, seeing things with a bird eye view, who can ca- see the things that maybe the ref is not seeing down on the ice. And that's not going to c- cut out all the inconsistency. There's still going to be inconsistent calls. Like, for instance, you know, refs love to game manage, you know. Okay, well, I gave this one team a penalty, so therefore I'm going to have to give them, you know, or I have to do a make a penalty. It's like, 
that this is going to happen is going to be inconsistent in that way. But I think they could at least help catch things, maybe help add to some of the consistency, or it could be wrong. Maybe it just makes things more chaotic. Um, but that's at least something I would like to maybe at least um, see happen, at least be experimented with. Mm-hmm. I would, I would be, I would endorse that so long as I had some type of um, relatively good assurance that whoever the person was that's that fifth official would feel empowered to overrule when officials make mistakes out on the ice. Because to some degree, I think that seems to be a little problematic um, in that no one wants to overrule each other. No one Uh wants to say to a peer and look that peer in the face, no, dude, you got that wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the wrong call and we need to fix it. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. So currently, um, looking at statmuse.com and they have a the NHL league total penalty minutes by year since 2006. And so obviously we are only uh, partway through or about 40% of the way through the season um, with about 10,000 uh, penalty minutes handed out. Now doing a little quick math to figure out, you know, what would, what are we on pace to see so last season, they handed out a grand total of 24,061 minutes. The season before that was 23,240 minutes. Right now, if we continue at the pace that we're seeing, we're going to be looking at a season with 25,932 penalty minutes, which is insane. Uh, it has not been that high. It has not been, let's see, since the 2013-2014 season when there were 26,895 penalty minutes uh, awarded. So it seems like they're certainly handing them out like Halloween candy, but they're not handing them out very consistently. I'm, I'm particularly irritated when, again, understanding the difficulty of this game. And it is extremely fast. I think unless you can be there even like even when uh you go to td garden and you've got nosebleed seats watching in from the nosebleeds is still pretty similar to the experience in terms of like the speed that you're watching them go at like you see on tv because that's literally where the cameras are but if you're at a hockey game and you are like and like you said with the the ice level cameras or if you're actually blessed enough to be standing right there i mean maria you've had those crazy seats before it's <laughs> insanely yeah. fast Insane game fast. so yeah. you know what if i could wave a magic wand and institute some kind of rules i think i would i would say there has to be some level of accountability and transparency and i don't think that it necessarily has to be you know oh you go and you make the officials uh, sit for media because like no pro league does that and that's hard to do but there are absolutely instances where you know that the referees are making calls or whatever because they are allowing their personal i don't know what you want to call it like they're they're taking things on the ice out there personally and they're they're not keeping it professional 
And those are the instances that particularly irritate me. Like, yeah, I'll be irritated by, let's say, this young referee or official who makes a call. Like we saw, uh, I think it was actually uh, in a recent Bruins road trip, you know, calling a penalty with 17 seconds left and it's obviously going into overtime. Like that's inexperience because if you've been doing it a long time, you know, like you just don't don't call it. It's 17 seconds. Like, come on. I'm more able. Yeah, I'm more able to forgive that than comments like what happened with Eric Johnson, where he ended up in a bit of a scuffle and then also got an additional two minutes of roughing um, on top of that. And he was basically told that he was given the unsportsmanlike because the Buffalo bench was screaming at the referee for not making a call in the first period. So you tell me that's an acceptable, like, no, in those instances, that person should be held accountable. And, you know, if, if there was a way that we could know, make that guy sit there and say, well, I was being childish I was annoyed that they were chirping at me all evening, so I punished them. Like, grow up. Grow up, be an adult, put your big boy pants on, and deal with it, because that's also part of the game. You are a referee. There is a reason why people hate you. (laughs) That's part of the job. It comes with the territory. You know, that to some degree, but if if you're using that as an excuse to get some payback during a period of time where you can't be making that payback call at that period of time because now you're leaving um, a black eye on your profession. When you you call a game in that manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes also for makeup calls. Like, I'm not a fan of that either. Um, and I know Amen. I, yeah. it's just, it's Ridiculous. dumb. It's dumb. Like you screwed up once. Let's not now pay the price. It. Right. Now you're going to compound it. Right. And there was that official a number of years ago now, I don't remember when, um, who got, well, he didn't get fired. He was early retirement, you know, huh, where, oh yeah, that yeah one. where he had come out and actually said the thing that we all know happens. Yeah, by accident. That it happens. And we're like, well, yeah, we know it happened. (laughs) So then he had to go sunset his career for saying that, yeah, we do make up calls. I I, I do think as, you know, as as we're having this conversation, um, that the league has done a little bit of a disservice to the officials because they've, over the, the, the most recent years, they they've made such a point of emphasis on telling officials to watch the clutching, the grabbing, mm-hmm. the, um, the slashing. Because, the stuff, yeah. Right, right, the stick work, okay? And I understand that to some degree. No one wants to see, you know, a- another player who's carrying the puck being karate chopped mm-hmm. with a stick. But when you're virtually giving a player a love tap and I see the arm go up 
Yeah. For a two minute penalty. And yet, yet a player whose head gets smashed into the boards and that doesn't even lend itself to a call. To me, you're, you're doing a disservice to the officials on the ice. They need to be more, in my view, yeah. more focused on the actual detrimental hits that you want to get out of the game and forget about this ticky-tack nonsense. Right. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what what that ticky-tack stuff does is slows the game down. And the last thing that anybody wants is a hockey game that is constantly starting and stopping. That's just, it's not as exciting as when, you know, you hear the the play-by-play announcer say, oh, we're into the fifth minute of continuous play. Like, that's fantastic hockey. That's what we love. And for them to be calling every single of these little things, but then on the flip side, being inconsistent with some of these larger, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know, Anna. Have you noticed that in, in covering your Red Wings or watching your Red Wings? Because, you know, it, it seems to me, I, you know, it, it, all a player has to do these days is like, you know, know that another player is getting close to touching them, snap their head back, and it's a two-minute something. Or get hit by their own stick. I've seen that a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot, like, um, uh, first off, I mean, a, lo- a lot of it is because the Red Wings are a very undisciplined team, which is shocking considering how veteran the team is. Uh, uh, like, mo- like we only have like two young players. Like most of the players are like 27 or older. And these guys are sitting there slashing and doing the dumbest slashes and hooks <laughs> you've ever seen and trips. Like, dude, you didn't need to do that there. What are you doing? You're acting like a rookie out there. Um, but, you know, votes get called every time. and. Uh, like, every, like very consistently, like no matter how weak of a call it is, like I have seen players, like I think it was Justin Hole in particular, um, r- quite recently, he gave like the lightest hold of a stick ever. Like it was for, like a second. He held another player's stick for about one second, if that. Like just a love tap. Like it was just a love tap on the other player's stick, cold immediately. But then you do so, you do a hit to the head. Eh. 50-50 if it'll even get a two-minute minor. Oh, and and you're not exaggerating because yeah. you wait for, you know, you wait to see, well, I wonder what they're going to call or if they're going to call anything. You know, we can give you a prime example of that last week in the game between the Minnesota Wild and, and the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Now, David Pasternak received um, a five-minute major and a game misconduct for his hit on Lindgren. I was mm-hmm. fine with the five-minute major. I would dispute the game misconduct right. on him. Fast forward, we have Charlie McAvoy coming back from his first game after being on injured reserve. And that tool, Pat Maroon, mm-hmm. just blasts him into the boards, you know, knocks his hel- knocks Charlie McAvoy's helmet off. We're we're expecting. Okay, based on the standard that was set by the call on David Pasternak, (laughs) at a minimum, a five-minute major on Pat Maroon. Not even a penalty call. Right. Not even a penalty call. Mm -mm. They they were uh, 
they didn't stop the play right away. And quite frankly, I was actually genuinely worried that they were going to penalize Charlie McAvoy for being out on the ice without a helmet. Without a helmet. I was like, oh my God, get up because they're going to call a penalty on us. Because I feel like that's all I see. That's why he was trying to retrieve his helmet, but Nesson had a close-up angle of his face, and I thought, the concussion spotter is going to be taking him somewhere for a few minutes. But Yeah, yep. And and he was a player who went on injured reserve. You know, we obviously don't know. We we may or may not ever know what had happened, um, but he went on IR. After one of those weird hits that we were talking about, it's all full circle, ladies. It's all full circle because you know it was just one of those situations. I don't know if he necessarily had uh, improperly completed a hockey play because you know now this was a couple of games ago, so I don't remember the full details. But he was kind of like in an awkward position. I don't think that the player who hit him in that moment. Um, was attempting a questionable hit it was just one of those weird moments and he was in a weird place and he went down and then you know was out of the game for um the rest of that game and then missed a couple games and so it's it's scary out there i think these days to be an nhl player because the game just gets faster and faster what gets called i feel is inconsistent you know i see Hampus Lindholm uh, has a ridiculous number of these stick infractions, which could be one of two things. You know, it could be because, like Anna, like you said, they're calling everything, or he's also not having the best of years. So maybe he's just being a little sloppy and frustrated, and stick infractions is what happens. Um, but we see it too the little love tap. You know, some of this is part of the game. You know, I'm not saying they should be out there hacking limbs off but like some of that is part of the game we saw and sometimes some of it's even just incidental like yes you should always be in control of your stick and of your body as much as possible but there is also incidental stuff that happens and and we saw that again in the i believe it was the last game that the bruins played Um, where I think it was Trent Frederick, you know, I swear he was looking one way, the other guy was looking the other way and they ran into each other and Frederick got called for the interference or obstruction, whatever. Like, come on. Sometimes there are genuine accidents that happen in this game that is not nefarious and malicious at all. And just happens, you know, and not because whatever. So, um, I mean, if I was, uh, if I was the players, uh, representatives and uh in the players union i'd be asking you know a lot of really tough questions with their new um their new head of the the players union you know uh, transparency communication in my experience um those are always the key you know i don't think that the nhl has to say exactly everything that's going on but i think they have to at least be communicating uh, some level of transparency or some level of like, this is how we're holding referees accountable, right? They, they have to review all of these things or like, you know, this is what we do when we hear about these comments or something, but I just, it's not happening. And 
if I were a player, I'd be really frustrated and probably even genuinely worried that I, I could be seriously injured because no one's being consistent with their calls and how they hand out, you know, those punishments with big hits and that are dangerous. So, and, I mean, they are. Yeah. And do you get a Did, sense that this frustration mounting because it's from both a coach and player standpoint, you know, we, we've had some coaches that have already been fined. We have our own coach here <laughs> in Boston who's basically said he's not going to comment because I don't think he wants to get. He's already gotten in trouble. Get, yeah, he wants to get <laughs> get fined. But do you do you do you see kind of something brewing and and bubbling to the point that you know at at some points the dam may break, um, so to speak, or even amongst the fan base. I don't know how uh, rabid. Uh, your fan base is when it comes to this kind of stuff too. Oh, we, we, we are some of the, at least on Twitter. I, and I follow fans from every fan base. We are definitely among the more rabid about inconsistent officiating. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. And I don't know. Did you see the um, comments that Dylan Larkin made after coming back from uh, the hit? No, I no, didn't know. What did you say? Yeah, please share. Okay, so I'll just read the final paragraph of what his comments were in his press conference. Um, the last, and this was, um, and the, when he says the last week, what he means is um, the week after, the week that he was out with injury. Um, the last week in the league has been pretty eye-opening. It's been kind of a trend, I guess. This last week has been a highlight for player safety. As a player, I'm closely attached because I just went through something, but I've talked to guys on our team, guys on other teams. It's hard to feel safe out there. It's hard to know how to protect yourself. I truly believe we have the best refs in the world in the NHL. I just think it's the message being sent down from the top is what is safe and what is not and how to discipline. There's a lot of questions there, and it's kind of scary as a player. Mm, that I he ha- he's not saying anything that's incorrect or inaccurate, inaccurate, and the and the truth hurts. And 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 again, I I'm just looking at this from a fan standpoint, uh-huh. where t- to me there's been on the part of people like Gary Bettman and and his minions uh-huh. such a focus on wanting to grow the game. What grows the game? Scoring grows the game. So let's make sure that we call everything and anything, even if it's just a little tap, if a tap on the wrist, even if it's just an inadvertent trip, because we mm-hmm. want to get goals on the board. We mm-hmm. we want to get we want to give teams power plays, and and I think it again, it's doing a disservice right. not to fans, to the players, yeah. to even the officials on the ice, and. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that even when a player is disciplined and he doesn't believe that he's been given a fair and just punishment, mm-hmm. the mere fact that the final arbiter of that decision is the commissioner of the league makes absolutely no flippin' sense to me at all. 
And the players need to get that changed as part of their next collective bargaining agreement. It, I don't think it would be difficult to have an independent arbiter yeah. making that decision. Because do you really think that the commissioner of any professional league is going to cut down a suspension and weaken a, a layer of authority within his own regime, so to speak? I, I don't, I doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they do actually do have independent arbiters, but that comes after a Batman and Batman could um, drag his feet as long as he wants. Um, for it, like recently with David Perron, he appealed his suspension and David Bettman, Gary Bettman literally waited until like two hours before the final game of his suspension to hear the appeal, which means that the independent arbiters would be, you know, God knows when, you know, after that. And so it's like, I don't like, they do have independent arbiters, but it's all on the whim of when Gary Bettman is willing to hear the suspension and then transfer over then uh, then hand out his ruling which can be whenever he can take as long as he wants to hand out the the ruling on the appeal and then you get to hear from the independent arbiters and as we saw david perron well he literally waited until the literal basically the literal last minute to even hear the appeal which i think is far worse than even not having an independent arbiter. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the same thing happened to Charlie McAvoy. Now his was a much shorter suspension, but by the time, you know, the illustrious commissioner decided to hear the appeal, it's like, you know, we as fans are saying, Charlie, just, just take your punishment, finish the suspension and just get back on the ice at this point, because he's not going to change his mind. Right. Right. What's the point of the appeal? And quite frankly, uh, money it, well but yeah if, if and, you get money back if the appeal gets if the suspension gets reduced right but like what's like what's the point of having the whole process then if he's going to you know he's not going to do it in the spirit of an appeal right like if you think about it from a legal perspective when something gets appealed the uh, the the previous existing version of the thing comes back into play right like mm-hmm. your, a court decision or whatever and it's like he puts appeal in, but it doesn't mean he's he gets to go and play. Like the suspension is still in, is still intact. So yeah. you know, he can like why bother pretending that it's a thing, right? Like why bother mm-hmm. pretending? It's just ridiculous. But um, know, we, we we had a viewer, um, a listener who's a very loyal listener. Um and um his his ex handle is or forever. And, you know, I think, I think he summed it up quite well is, um, his take on the officiating is it's, it's been like a mood thing with referees, mm. very inconsistent. Like they're not sure of the rules. Same with hits. They need to be called the same and be fair for both teams. Just be consistent all around. And, you know, I think any, you know, any seasoned hockey fan, um, anyone such as you, Anna, who, you know, writes and covers the game and, and those of us that, you know, are, are devoted and loyal to our teams. That's, that's all we want. I think mm-hmm. is, I think we all have the same rationale and mentality here. Please just be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And for the safe of sake, sake of safety, uh, that's a tongue twister. 
Um, you know, it was, it was really interesting to hear, uh, Dylan Larkin make that point and that if I, as a fan who gets to sit on my couch and watch this game is thinking, my God, if I was a player, like, I would just be hoping every single day that everything goes okay and that I can play for a really long time and be really healthy um, in that kind of environment. You know, and, and, you know, Dylan Larkin to me has some cachet in the league Mm -hmm. and for, for him to be as pointed and honest as he was with that assessment, I would hope and pray (laughs) that league officials are listening to that. What, and and what I find frustrating and too too is can you please just at least acknowledge that you don't get it right? Yeah. That you know mistakes are made as opposed to espousing about the you know the the the, the state of your game and how good the state of your game is. That's not what you're being asked about, Mr. Commissioner. You're being <laughs> asked about the state of officiating. Yep. Yeah. Yes. But just like that, our hour has come to an end. Can you believe it? <laughs> Maria and I can always go on forever if we could, but we want to be conscious of folks' time and, and thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, Anna, do you have any final uh, hot takes to, to leave <laughs> with our listeners or anything? From what we've Honestly, words of wisdom, words of caution. <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, no. Um, the only thing I really could say is I think fans need to, and we did touch on this. And the thing is that, um, you know, these refs, it it is a very tough job. The refs are never going to catch everything. Like, I think that fans have do have too much of a high standard when they complain about literally every single missed call made. It's like, yes, I get it. It's annoying, but like, we're never going to catch in no sport are they going to catch literally every call and i think that sometimes fans can take for criticisms of the rest a little too far when they sit there and keep a tally i i literally know people who literally keep a tally of every single missed call and again like every little missed hook or every little mishold it's like i'm sorry that's a little too far but like you know but like yes rest are screwed up in major ways but you know i think we can also recognize that they are human, and if you are out there doing the refereeing, you would miss a lot of these little things as well. So maybe try to provide a little bit of grace while also um, recognizing that there are legitimate complaints and keeping it to those rather than, well, refs are useless because they didn't catch every little hold on one of my players. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's not a job I would want, but. We want a little bit more accountability, I think. <laughs> I think yeah, that's a fair. Yeah, I think I just, yes, I think accountability, consistency are, are key words, I think, that would go a long way in starting to repair mm. some of what I think is broken with regard to, um, you know, and it's not just this season, Anna, to your point. We thought it couldn't get any worse last year. And lo and behold. <laughs> Here we are. Here we uh, are. So, Anna, where can our listeners find you um, online to to keep up with some of your interesting musings? 
Well, um, the first thing is if you just want to keep up with my writings, um, obviously you can find me now on Octopus Thrower. Um, it's a pretty big uh, fan-sided um, website for um, Detroit Red Wings coverage. I also run Prism Hockey, which is both on Substack. I have not changed the URL, so it is still vibespacedhockey.substack.com. But um, but so if you go, if you find Prism Hockey on Substack and you look at the URL, it says vibespace vibespace hockey. That's the old URL. Unfortunately, it costs money to change it, and I do not have the fifty dollars to change it. So right at the moment, so um, but um, I'm also on Patreon for that, and you could find me online on. Blue Twitter, Blue Sky, Freds, and um, Mastodon at City Hoosier. Um, city, you know, as in a city, or Hoosier as in, you know, what you call a Indiana resident. <laughs> yeah, I- yourself followed. I just found you very easily on um, X, formerly known as, as Twitter. So um, Yay. thank you so much for giving us your time on this topic. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Pre- we appreciate your 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 thoughts and your and your contribution uh, to our, our our first special episode with Yay. our first special guest. Absolutely, and we'll make sure to include all of your info in our show notes and some of the articles and things. Um, so check all of that out. And Maria and I will be back with a regular episode uh, before you know it. So until then, go bees. Go bees. (laughs) I guess in Red Wings too.